You're listening to the What The Fab podcast, where empowered women empower women through candid conversations, inspiring stories, and tangible tips. I'm your host, Elise Armitage. I'm a digital creator, and I left my nine to five job at Google to chase my dreams of being an entrepreneur. I'm so happy to have you here. Let's get into some real talk. Hello, and welcome back to the What The Fab podcast, episode 52. Today's episode is a solo one, and I am chatting about 10 things that I'm doing and that I think might be helpful for you if you are a content creator, blogger, small business owner, freelancer, 10 things that we can do to prepare for an upcoming recession. Please don't freak out. This is not meant to be fear-based. We will get into this. I just think it's helpful to be prepared and hear what other people are doing because it's not fun, but like it's a part of life, and especially if you are a small business owner, it's not something to just sweep under the rug. Before we dive into this topic, I just want to take a sec and invite you to subscribe to the What the Fab podcast through whatever platform it is that you're listening through. On Apple Podcasts, you just hit the three little dots in the top right corner and hit follow, and then you'll get these episodes queued up and ready to go weekly. Let's be honest, it's been a little bit more like bi-weekly these days. <laughs> I've been a little swamped. I had my content manager leave What the Fab after a few years. So sad, miss her. And then it's just been tough trying to find the right person to, to fill that role. And so I'm just like doing all the things. But I am staying as consistent as possible and getting these episodes out at least bi-weekly. So there's going to be some fresh content coming up. And if you've been getting value from these episodes, please take 30 seconds to rate and review the podcast. You can do it on Apple Podcasts. You can do it on Spotify. And that just helps me grow and build the show. So I really, really appreciate those little love notes. Okay, let's get into the topic at hand. Here's 10 ways that I am preparing for a recession that you might want to consider, keep in mind, do yourself. This is a little legal disclaimer, but this is not financial advice. This is what I'm doing, and this is what's working for me and helping me feel prepared in the case of an upcoming recession. You got to do your own research and do what works for you. Now, I don't want you to listen to this episode from a place of fear. Like, let's just start there. This is all about being prepared. No one can predict when there will be a recession or how bad it will be if anyone says that they can predict that. For certainty, they are lying to you. Experts can weigh in on their opinions and what they think will happen, but nobody can say with certainty when there will be another recession. However, we do know that everything is cyclical and there will be a recession. We just don't know when or if it'll be more like a, a shallow recession or a correction. Those are some terms that I've been hearing lately. I personally don't think it's going to be anywhere near the 2009 recession that we went through, but it's not possible for things to just continue going up and up and up. There's going to be some kind of correction or recession. And this is if you are a full-time content creator, blogger, influencer, probably if you're a freelancer millennial, or if you have a small business, this is probably your first time, our first time going through a true recession with this as our business. Because like 2009, I mean, I was still in college and I decided to, you know, the recession was so bad that I decided to go to grad school because all my friends who were graduating that were a year older than me 
they were literally filling out job applications for restaurants and Subway with a bachelor's from UCLA and they couldn't even get those jobs. So I was like, I'm just going to write it out and get my master's, take a couple of years. And that decision ended up being a really good one. And since then, and after that recovery, our economy has been doing really well. The pandemic was kind of like a little bit of a teaser for us. And frankly, I feel like that kind of economic downturn and how it affected us as content creators only lasted for a few months. It was really scary and it was a sharp drop off and there was a ton of uncertainty, but things kind of picked back up pretty quickly relatively. So I think in March when things shut down and we were in shelter in place, oh my God, I have PTSD even like using that term. But when we were like going into lockdown, I had several campaigns get canceled. I had like 15, maybe $20,000 in campaign deals, sponsored content deals that were canceled within the span of a week. And I was like, oh my gosh, like what is happening? How am I going to survive this? This is crazy. But then towards the summer, towards July, things started to pick back up. I think brands realized, okay, we're going to be doing this pandemic thing for a while and we need to figure out how to market to people while they're at home. We need to like open back up our budgets again and like get moving and grooving. And so that's when things with my business started to pick back up again as well. So I feel like I learned a few things from those few months. But like I said, this is still it's going to be new for us going through a recession as influencers. And so I personally, I'm always like thinking about, okay, what's the worst case scenario and how can I prepare for it so it's not as bad? And again, I don't want you to listen to this episode from a place of fear. I don't want this to be triggering for you. I just want us to be thinking about what we can do now to prepare so that we can ride this out because with a recession, then there comes a recovery. And so we want to be able to think long term, ride this out and make sure that we're just in the best position possible to be able to do that. So here are 10 things that I have done recently or am doing in order to prepare for an upcoming recession as a content creator and small business owner. So the first thing that I'm doing is I'm making sure that my money is optimized in a high yield savings account. So I've made sure that any extra savings that I have that's not already invested in my Roth IRA or in ETFs, that's how we choose to do our investing, any extra cash is in our Capital One high yield savings account, which is earning me a 1.35% interest rate instead of traditional banks like my old bank, Wells Fargo, which I do still have like a little bit of cash in there for my debit card, especially like if I'm traveling and I need to use ATM machines. But that savings account was earning me 0.01%, basically nothing. So you want to make sure that you have any extra cash that's, you know, lying around. It's just like a regular savings account. There's no rules around you can't touch your money or you have to keep it in here for a certain amount of time. It's just that it's a high yield savings account. So you get a higher 
return. You get paid a higher interest on the money that is sitting in that account. So you want to make sure that you are earning, I would say, at least 1.35% interest. I've seen some that are higher on the money in your savings account. And if not, if your current checking account, savings account, sorry, is set up and it's earning you less than that, start looking into a high yield savings account that you can transfer that cash over to. Just make sure when you are researching that the bank that you choose is FDIC insured. So like I said, mine is the Capital One high yield savings account. I've been really happy with it. And so I just kind of, we usually keep all of our, not all, but we usually keep a good chunk of our cash in that high yield savings account. But I took a look and I was like, you know what? We actually have more in like my Wells Fargo and Omid has his Chase bank account. Basically Chase and Wells Fargo are the banks that we had individually before getting married. I mean, I've had mine since I was a teenager. (laughs) My dad took me to the Wells Fargo branch at our local Rayleigh's in El Dorado Hills and helped me set up my accounts. And so they're just kind of like legacy bank accounts that we have had since we were young and we do use them for a couple of things, but really we want to be putting most of our cash in this high yield savings account. So I took a look and I was like, you know what, we have a little bit more than we need in these other two accounts. Let's make sure everything is in the high yield savings except for the bare minimum of what we need in these other accounts. Because you might as well, right? I mean, it's literally free money, even if it's you know, you have $10,000 in there and it's earning you 135 bucks a year. Or, I mean, before we bought our house, we were saving a lot of money and we had, we had a lot of money in our high yield savings account and it was giving us a really great return with that high yields interest rate amount. So if we hadn't had it in there, that's like thousands of dollars that we would have missed out on. So definitely, if that's not something that you've already done, look into it. I am so thrilled to announce that my flagship program and course, Six Figure SEO, is now available, and we've just enrolled a new cohort of students. You can check out my free webinar at whatthefab.com slash webinar. It's called Three Steps to Creating Passive Revenue from Your Blog and How SEO is the Secret to a Six-Figure Recurring Revenue Stream. So in this one hour free masterclass, you'll learn how to take back your time and get off the content creation hamster wheel. I know we all want that. You will learn the five best ways to monetize your website to create passive revenue, whether you're a blogger, service provider, or sell a physical product. We also get into the top three biggest mistakes that bloggers make on their website when it comes to SEO. Here's a hint, you're probably making them right now, and we'll get into how to fix them. And we get into so much more. We packed so much, just a ton of knowledge into this free webinar, and it'll teach you how I've used SEO to turn my blog into a six-figure recurring revenue stream and how you can do the same. You're going to learn a ton from it. I know that people who have joined the first live webinar learned so much. And like I said, we packed a lot of information in there. You'll also get a taste for what you can expect from my course, Six Figure SEO. Plus, there may be a very special offer inside the webinar when you watch it. So head on over to whatthefab.com webinar, sign up, and we'll see you there. Okay, let's get back to the show. The second thing that I just recently did is reevaluating both my personal 
and my business expenses and budgeting. So I really want to make sure that the tips in this episode are like very useful and not generic. I think, you know, if you Google like how to prepare for a recession, it's like the same three tips over and over, like cut back on spending and pay down any debt and make sure you have, you know, a cushioning like, okay, that's boring. Like that can be combined into one tip. And I'm going to make this tip much more specific than that. And so for this, I did a deep dive in our expenses and I, I wasn't like ruthless with cutting things out. I still am like, I want to, I am in a position where I want to keep some of like my self-care things. So that would be like my membership at the float spa that I go to where I do my float sessions once a month in the sensory deprivation tanks. Like that's something that I want to keep. But obviously I know that like if shit hit the fan and I needed to really cut back, that would be one of the first things to go. But I went through and I was like, okay, what can I cut right now? And there were several apps and subscriptions that I was like, I can easily cancel these. And it just helped cut back on mindless spending. Like, do I really need to be subscribed to Netflix, Hulu, HBO Max, and Apple TV all at once? No. So I nixed some of those, like, you know, when, when I finished watching The Bachelorette, which by the way, this season, what a mess, you guys. I feel so bad for those girls. I'm just like, who thought this was a good idea? Once we're done with that, I will pause my Hulu subscription because I won't be watching anything else at the moment. Like being a little bit more cognizant about that and just not being lazy. And then I also decided, Omid and I decided together to hold off on a couple large expenditures that we could afford right now that we were thinking earlier in the year were things that we were going to budget for and spend money on. So for example, one of those things was we were considering buying a new car because when we were in the city in San Francisco, we only had one car. It was my 2001 Camry, which we still have. And last year, we bought a second car, which was the Tesla. And so <laughs> it's kind of funny because like I'll go from driving the Tesla one day to driving my 2001 Camry the next day and being like, oh man, she's she's a workhorse and she has done me solid, but like it's time, you know, we're definitely ready to have like two nice cars versus going back and forth between the Tesla and the 2001 Camry. So we were thinking like, okay, we'll budget for it. And then this year in 2022, consider making that purchase. We could afford to buy a second car right now, but we're just like, you know what? It's not a necessity. The Camry's doing great, like bless her soul. And we're just going to hold off on that large expenditure for now because there is a potential recession on the rise and we just don't know what our situation is going to be. The other thing that we held off on was doing some front yard and backyard renovations. So that was also something that we were budgeting for that would have been a large expense that we were planning on doing this summer. And again, we were like, you know what? It's not a necessity and it's a big expenditure. And we have definitely been spending a lot on house projects. Like we got new windows. Jesus Christ, windows are expensive. I mean, my God, why didn't anyone tell me how expensive new windows are? But like, that had to happen because some of the windows were leaking and that needed to happen before, you know, rainy season. And so we were like, again, it it is something that we could fit within our budget right now, but three months from now, six months from now, are, are we going to be in a recession and really regretting making that decision and being like, ooh, 
really could have, you know, used that extra cushioning right now. Because for additional context, both myself and Omid, we are both business owners. Omid is a principal with a few partners at an architecture firm in the city. And then obviously I run What the Fab. So things are not guaranteed. But, you know, to that point, even if you work for a large corporation, that job and that income is not guaranteed when a recession is on the table. So I think everybody can benefit from that mindset of like, okay, is this like something that's a necessity right now if it's a large expenditure? Or should we maybe like hold off and see how things are feeling six months to a year from now? So those were a couple of decisions that we made. Now, those were examples of personal expenses that we were examining and making decisions on. And then I also did the same exercise for my business expenses. And so when I'm doing this, I'm going through everything with a fine tooth comb. Like I'm going through my credit card transactions on both the personal and the business side and just reevaluating things. And what was interesting was on the business side, there were definitely a few things where I was like, I don't think I need this anymore. Like some apps have changed making this subscription obsolete. So for example, I, for my podcast episodes have been doing, you know, I'll promote it on Instagram with some social graphics. Sometimes it's a carousel, sometimes it's a reel. And I had been using Wave which is, um, it, it's this platform where like you can pop the graphics in, you can add sound waves, and then it will also auto-generate captions. And I had kept it even after Instagram had added the closed captioning because the closed captioning used to be so bad. Like it was so glitchy and it just wasn't worth my time to go through and try to fix it and then have it just like not even save. And it was a mess. So I was like, nope, I'd rather pay, you know, 12 bucks a month for Wave to do it for me because it's much more accurate and much better and it'll save me a lot of time. And now that it's been like a half a year, Instagram's closed captioning on stories and reels is actually pretty good and it does a good job and I can easily edit it. It just it's way less glitchy and I don't really need this subscription to wave anymore. I can just do the closed captioning in Instagram. And so that was, you know, one example of something I'm like, oh, this has changed. You know, things change really quickly with social media and Instagram constantly rolling out new features and updating things. And so this wave subscription is just not actually a necessity anymore. So I went ahead and canceled that. The other thing that I am looking at is my contract labor hours. So I mentioned that my content manager pieced out and I'm looking for a replacement for that role. However, I'm also thinking about what were things that, you know, maybe the previous person was doing that I don't necessarily need anymore in the business or we can evolve it to something else or a virtual assistant can handle that like what just it doesn't have to be the same in fact it shouldn't just because that's the way we've always done it and I mean that's oh my gosh that like if you want to drive me crazy like tell me that like be in a corporate job and be like no we can't change because that's the way we've always done it nope 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 so that's the beauty of running your own business you can you know change things pivot on a dime and figure out how you want to do things differently. And so I am cutting a couple of tasks that were part of this role altogether. I am transferring one of them. So one of the pieces was creating additional blog content. So a lot of the like beauty and skincare roundup posts, that was something that would be curated by this role, by the content manager role. And I am going to 
reevaluate that, I'm probably going to pare down the amount of posts that are being generated, and I'm going to have a freelance writer handle those rather than having the content manager do it because I think having a freelancer will be a cheaper option for me. I just need to find the right person. And I think it's a balance and a fine line between like cutting your contract labor hours and putting everything back on your plate because you're like, I don't want to spend any money. Like that's definitely not what I'm saying to do. You need support. You can't do everything yourself. Go back to my episode on 10 things I've learned from 10 years of blogging. It's episode 59. I share an equation of how to calculate how to value your time. And, you know, for me, I value my time at $180 an hour. And so like, I'm looking at am I doing $180 an hour tasks? And so that does not mean, you know, putting Pinterest back onto me, like somebody else can do Pinterest for way less than $180 an hour. But I do think that this is a good opportunity and time to kind of reevaluate and see like, am I getting ROI on this person that I've hired to do XYZ? Like, should I scale back hours for this person and really kind of look at that and think about the impact that that contract labor is having for you? So then from there, we, Omid and I were able to sit down over the weekend and just kind of update our monthly budget. I'll be honest, over the last year, we kind of didn't do a good job of sticking to our budget because we were spending a lot on travel, for one, because we hadn't traveled for the previous year, and also home projects and updates. And so we were just kind of like, if it fits within our overall budget, meaning like the cash that we have on hand, like we're good with it as long as we still have our cushioning that makes us feel comfortable, which for us is six months of living expenses, then we were just kind of like <laughs> balls to the wall, like let's let's go for it. And so now I'm like, okay, we need to sit back down, open back up our spreadsheet. We have a budgeting spreadsheet and just kind of like update what we are spending our money on monthly and what we can be cutting back on and just knowing like, okay, this is our budget for when we're booking travel and this is our budget for when we're actually traveling and on the road. And I think that is going to be really helpful as well. And so from there, we were able to estimate based on the revenue that, you know, we currently are making, how much we should expect to be saving each month. And it's kind of like nice to have that goal in mind of like, okay, if we follow these budgets, which right now, you know, like I said, we're not cutting back on things that are like self-care related, like gym memberships. I mean, I'm never going to cut back on my hit school gym. Like, let's be honest, I need that. It's my stress relief. But like, you know, my lash extensions or the float spa, like those things we're not cutting back on right now because there isn't a, you know, huge need for that. But if there was to be a huge need for that, for sure, like we've kind of itemized it as like, okay, these would be the first things to go. So if we're living within this budget that we've set for ourselves, we know how much we can relatively expect to save each month. And you've probably heard like the typical advice is to make sure that you have three to six months living expenses as cushioning that you have as cash that's easily accessible. So like not in stocks or in a retirement account, but hopefully in your high yield savings account. And for us that we feel more comfortable when we have six months to a year of living expenses available to us because we both run our own businesses. And that's just what makes us feel comfortable so that we don't have to be stressing out. So as long as you're taking that three to six months living expenses cushioning into account and then just thinking about also like your own personal situation and what makes you feel comfortable. 
Number three, I am diversifying my revenue streams. I have been talking about this a lot this year, but I am not putting all of my eggs in the Instagram sponsored content basket. And in fact, if you listen to my recent income report episode, which was episode number 50, I will link that as well in the show notes, then you will get a very clear breakdown of how I am spreading my revenue across ads on my site from Mediavine, affiliate links on my website, plus my SEO course. And then yes, of course, sponsored content. But my sponsored content revenue has definitely gone down as compared to last year. But it's okay because I have diversified my revenue stream. So I'm feeling as prepared as I can be. But being able to like lean on these different revenue streams, I mean, anytime, but especially during recession, I think is going to be really important because some things like with the pandemic, we saw those sponsored campaigns get cut overnight. And then some things might fare okay. Like maybe people will still be, I mean, I'm sure people will be cutting back on their spending. So your affiliate links revenue is likely going to decrease, but some people will continue spending. So like there's still some revenue coming in from that. Your ads revenue. I mean, things were so uncertain and chaotic at the beginning of the pandemic that like my RPMs from Mediavine definitely plummeted at first, but they even back out after a few months. And so having that as an additional stream also makes me feel like comfortable and like things are spread out. So think about how can you diversify and add a new revenue stream to your offerings like now, like yesterday, (laughs) like Are you using SEO to drive traffic and revenue through your website? Can you offer consulting services? Start doing that. Is there a new product or service offering that you've been thinking about launching? Now is the time to do that. It's definitely something to consider and start working on now rather than waiting until shit hits the fan. Hold up, I have to tell you about my new What the Fab presets. I finally launched digital product, and let me tell you, it was a lot harder than I expected it to be, but I am so excited that they're live, they're available, you can shop them on the website, you can just go to whatthefab.com presets to see them in all their freaking glory. <laughs> These presets are something that I have been refining and tweaking over the years, and after almost a decade of being a travel blogger and lifestyle blogger, I'm finally making them available to you to purchase and to use on your own photos. So whether you are a full-time content creator or this is your side hustle or you just want beautiful aesthetic photos for your feed, I'd love for you to check them out. Presets are honestly a game changer Using Lightroom presets has really optimized how I'm able to edit my photos. It makes everything cohesive and beautiful and branded so that when you see one of my pictures on Instagram or Pinterest, you know that it's coming from What the Fab. And you can have that kind of brand cohesiveness too by using the presets and tweaking them for your own skin tone and style. They also have saved me hours upon hours of editing photos. I mean, it used to take me half a day to go through you know, hundreds of photos from a shoot. Now I can just do it within one or two clicks. And then if I'm using desktop, batch sync it across all of the photos. It's 
amazing. Like I said, game changer. And these presets are, they're light and airy and will make your photos look beautiful, whether you're shooting on an iPhone or in the raw on DSLR. I've got the mobile pack. I've got the desktop pack. So there's something for everyone. If you want to edit just on the go, the mobile pack is a great option and you can use Lightroom mobile. The app is free. So that's a really great option for someone who's doing this as a side hustle or a beginner. And then if you are building a brand, um, maybe this is your full-time thing, you'll probably want both the mobile and the desktop versions because then you'll be able to edit on the go on the app, but then also really like sit down in front of your computer, do that batch editing I was talking about, and just have that really cohesive vibe across all of your photos. So I hope you'll check them out. And I'm so excited I have a little gift for you. So you can get one of my mobile presets for free. Just go to whatthefab.com slash free and you can get my World Traveler mobile preset for free and you can use it on the Adobe Lightroom app on your phone. And the World Traveler preset, I've used it on every type of photo imaginable. It's light and airy and beautiful and just makes you look glowy. I've used it on selfies, date night pics, home decor, food, um, my friend's kids, and of course my jet setting travel pics. So I know that you will love it. Again, go to whatthefab.com free to grab that free preset for yourself. Enjoy it, love it, use it. I can't wait to see what kinds of photos you create with it and be sure to use hashtag WTFab presets so I can see and share all my stories. All right, let's get back to the episode. Number four, I am reminding myself that everything is cyclical and I can use this as an opportunity. So like, no, of course, I don't want there to be a recession. Like I would rather everything just like stay lovely and wonderful and not have to worry about, you know, where my next sponsored campaign is going to come from or how I'm making money. However, what can I learn from those three months in the pandemic where like everything came to a screeching halt and I was making hardly any money from my blog? And when I look back at that, I mean, I'm not trying to beat myself up over it because these were unprecedented times and it was like wild. But when I look back on it, there were so many days where I just was so unmotivated because I was like, am I losing my ass here? Like, am I losing my business? Did I have this amazing first year of leaving Google and running my own business and traveling the world and like, that's it? And now I have to go back to a corporate job? Like, what is this over for me? And I kind of just got into this downward spiral and tailspin and I really lost motivation. I mean, also it's hard to blog about 10 things to do in Cusco when you're in a lockdown, but honestly, that's what I should have been doing. Like I should have been writing blog posts because they would be ranking now and I would be making even more money from those page views and from the ads and affiliate links on them. And so I'm taking it as a lesson learned of like, okay, it might look bleak. It might feel really bleak, but less brand campaigns and more space and more downtime means that I can create more content that my readers find valuable, like podcast episodes or blog posts that rank with my SEO strategies and that create more recurring revenue for my business in the future. So, Think about what would you accomplish if you had more space and downtime? Would you launch a new product offering like we were just talking about with diversifying your revenue? 
Would you learn a new skill? Would you redesign your website? Would you finally learn how to implement an SEO strategy that creates recurring revenue for you? I will put some info in here about my free webinar on SEO and how I use it to create a six-figure recurring revenue stream through my website. But like, think about what is it that you could do with more downtime, like the things that you have been wanting to learn or do or work on. And, and really just, I mean, it's a balance between letting yourself feel all the feels and not wallowing in self-pity. And so that is definitely a lesson that I learned from the pandemic, from quarantine that I am preparing to take with me as, you know, a potential recession is looming. Number five, make sure that your business's financials, your taxes, how you file your taxes are all in order. What kind of corporation you are, your Roth IRA, are you an LLC or an S Corp? So this is something that I just actually finished last weekend. We had to do an extension on our taxes because we <laughs> honestly, we just submitted them like right before the deadline and our accountant was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be able to get through all of this in two days. So We'll just do an extension. So a couple of things. I first want to encourage you, if you do not have a Roth IRA set up as a blogger, as a freelancer, as a content creator, absolutely you want to be maxing out your contributions to your Roth IRA every year before you pay your taxes. And I have had some conversations with blogger friends, and I know some of you listening are going to be like, yeah, yeah, of course. And some of you might not be doing this. And so I just want to put this out there because you're paying too much in taxes if you are not maxing out your contribution to your Roth IRA. And again, not telling you what to do. This is not tax or legal advice, do to do, not financial advice, but this is what I do. So for your Roth IRA, I believe the max contribution is 20%. So just to make the math easy, let's say, let me pull up my calculator here. So let's say you make $100,000. If you are paying taxes on that $100,000 income, then you're paying $20,000 in taxes. Now, if you have a Roth IRA and you are maxing out your Roth IRA contribution, that would be $80,000 that you would keep, you would be contributing $20,000 to your Roth IRA, and then you would be paying taxes on that $80,000 number, not the $100,000. So let's say it's 20% in taxes that you're paying, then you're only paying $16,000 in taxes instead of $20,000 in taxes. And I know that it can be painful. I mean, for myself, I literally just did it this past weekend. I cut some fat checks and made some big transfers to my Roth IRA and paying my taxes. But if you are able to set aside that money from your revenue to be used to be contributed to your Roth IRA first, because you are then not having to pay taxes on that money, it's going to save you a lot in taxes. So if you are not doing that definitely get your Roth IRA set up, meet with an accountant. If you need a recommendation, I have a good accountant that can help you. He's he's my dad's accountant. And then I started working with him and it's kind of hilarious. Shout out to Bill. But I had to like really kind of teach him how bloggers make money and like, you know, what these expenses are. And then he tells me, okay, here's how I think we can write this off, like do to do. And then 
it's hilarious because I have referred friends to him. So um, my friend Kara from Whimsy Soul, my friend Paige from Wine with Paige, Kara referred her. And so I was joking with him when we were talking about my taxes recently. I was like, Bill, you are going to become like the go-to tax accountant guy for bloggers. And he's like, I love it. I think it's great. I still don't 100% understand how you make money, but like I just need to see the numbers. <laughs> And so he's hilarious. But if you need an accountant that understands what we do as content creators in terms of like how we can file our taxes, what can be a write off, you know, maxing out your Roth IRA, then I can definitely put in a referral for you. And then the other thing I wanted to note is I recently so what the fab media is an LLC. But I also last year did my paperwork to be an S-Corp so that I could file my taxes as an S-Corp. And this is also going to provide tax savings for me as well. And I actually wish that I did it years ago. And this is something that some of the girls in my mastermind group were like, mm, really think that you need to be an S-Corp. I looked into it and I was like, yeah, you're right. So the general rule of thumb is that if you if your business is bringing in 75 to $80,000 in revenue, you probably should look into becoming an S-Corp and filing your taxes that way because you will likely have tax savings from that. So that is something that I have set up for this year. And so when I file my taxes in 2023, it will be as an S-Corp. Number six is I am working on a big project that I want to complete before any potential recession. So my tip for number six would be to think about any projects that you might have been putting off that in the long term can help your business earn more revenue. So for me, my specific example is I am completely redesigning my website. It's a bit overdue. And it's all in an effort to make my site super speedy so that my Mediavine ads load faster and earn me more money. And right now my page speed is pretty low. I'm on PipDig for my WordPress theme. And I think PipDig, like it served me well, but I have definitely outgrown it. And I think that PipDig performs just fine if you don't have a high, super high traffic website. And you know, if you're in like the 20 to 50,000 page views range, it performs okay. And then after that, it just starts to get really, really slow. And my blog is about to hit 200,000 page views in this month, which is wild. And my page speed is just so, so slow. My website also does not pass Core Web Vitals. And so page speed and passing CWV, those are a couple of things that have been on my radar for a couple of years now, and I just haven't prioritized it. And Mediavine recently, I think maybe a year ago, came out with Trellis, which is a WordPress framework. And it's literally designed to make your website super speedy, to make your ads load faster, and to pass core web vitals. And so I'm like, okay, it's time. I need to make the move. And the thing with Trellis, though, if you have checked it out yourself, is the themes that come with it are super, super ugly. Like I just even if I were to make a thousand dollars more a month from moving over to Trellis, I just can't do it because it's so damn ugly. So I've been researching a ton, trying to find a solution. And what I have done is I found a developer that can help me build a custom child theme for Trellis 
and I can design it in Canva, like make it beautiful, my aesthetic and everything. And he's going to build it for me. And so he quoted me a pretty reasonable price. If anybody is interested in, you know, this whole thing, I'm going into a lot of detail on Trellis, but like if anyone is looking for a developer, I'm happy to refer you. And we're hoping to launch by the end of the month. I'm really hoping like early September at the latest, because I want this in place so that I can take advantage of the higher RPMs that usually come in Q3 in like September, October, November, December from Mediavine. And so this is a project that I have been putting off, but I'm like, you know what, in the long term, maybe even in the short term, honestly, like as soon as it's up and running, it's going to help my business earn more revenue. So think about that for yourself. Is there a project you've been putting off that if you take a longer term view, it's going to help you, your business earn more revenue? Number seven is a tip that's probably more specific to my influencer friends, and that is pitching for things that you need. So like pitching for clothes, skincare, trips, instead of paying for these things. So I think early on when you're blogging, you're like totally happy to do things for gifting only because you're just getting started. You're like forming relationships, hoping that they can turn into paid campaigns and then as you start to grow and get busier, it's only natural that you take on fewer and fewer gifting campaigns because if you're doing if you're spending time working on a gifting campaign, that's taking away from time that you could be spending pitching or working on paid campaigns. And so it just doesn't make sense. And so recently, I would say like over the last few years, I would likely prefer to pay for something than do a gifting campaign. So whether that's skincare or, you know, clothes for an upcoming trip or even when I'm traveling, like it takes time to like pitch hotels and restaurants. And sometimes I'm just like, you know what, I don't have the time to pitch for this, so I'm just going to pay for it. And in preparation for a potential recession, I am taking a little bit more time to pitch for things like, you know, outfits for an upcoming trip, skincare, you know, hotel stays, things like that, things that I potentially might pay for because things that in the past I potentially might just be like, I'm just going to pay for it because I didn't want to spend time pitching, you know, agreeing to deliverables for a gifting campaign that isn't paid. And so, yeah, that's something that I'm doing because, I mean, I just want my favorite sunscreen. It's like a mineral sunscreen that also has a tint to it. I just went to buy it and I'm like, this is $50. Like I need to just email the brand and ask if they can gift it to me and I can include them in this like sunscreen post that I already am working on, you know, things like that. So I'm definitely not saying like do crazy campaigns with like tons of deliverables for free just to get some sunscreen. But like where it makes sense, I think it is worth the effort and a little bit of extra time to, I mean, for me personally, to get some of these things gifted. So I am not spending as much money on items like that. Tip number eight has to do with stocks and investing. So if you are invested, my tip here for myself and for you and that I'm just kind of like reminding myself of is to stay invested, stay calm, and just know that investing is a long-term play. And if you are keeping your money invested, 
over 10 years, I think the stats are like you're 88% likely to make money from that. And if you keep it invested for 20 years, I think it's like it's almost 100% that you will make money from that investment. And so I'm just reminding myself, like, don't panic. We are playing the long game here. If things crash, I am not pulling my money out because that is how you play the losing game by making rash decisions that are based on emotion and just immediately pulling your money out. So stay invested. And then I'm also considering seeing if I can set aside some money to further invest in more ETFs when the time comes. Like if the recession hits and the stock market plunges, I'm just thinking like the phrase is buy low, sell high. So like it could be a good time if I have some extra cash to invest. If I feel like I'm going to be digging into our cushioning for that, you know, six months living expenses, I wouldn't recommend doing that. I personally wouldn't do that. But I am thinking about like, okay, can I set aside some money that like if that opportunity presents itself, I would feel comfortable investing that. Number nine is make sure that your credit cards are working for you. So I have had the Chase Sapphire Reserve card for years. And I think, you know, years ago, it was the best card if you're trying to travel. It earned you the best points back. And that's what we've just been relying on for a while. And recently I was listening to an episode, a podcast episode with the points guy, and someone asked him that, like, what is your favorite credit card for travel? And he was like, hands down, the American Express gold card. So that is a newer card, and it gives you four times the points on things like travel and dining versus the Chase Sapphire Reserve card gives you 3x. And it also gives you 4x points on groceries, which, hello, groceries are so freaking expensive right now. And even if they weren't, groceries are something that we're buying weekly. So, like, why wouldn't I want to get four times the points on those groceries and then use that for my travel? So I went ahead and signed up for the Amex Gold Card, and there's a great referral bonus going on right now. So I'll include a link for the referral bonus in the show notes. And you can also, if you want to just go straight to it, I'll put a link at whatthefab.com slash Amex, A-M is a Mary E-X. And when you sign up, you get 60,000 rewards points after you use your new card to make $4,000 in purchases over the first half a year. So I already got my rewards points and I spent them on helping me buy my flight to the Maldives. I'm going with my sister in October and flights were crazy expensive. It was like, I mean, it's far, you know, it's the Maldives. It's on the other side of the world, but it was like $2,000. And between those reward points and also just the other points that I had racked up over the last couple of months from groceries and, you know, other travels and dining out, I was able to use a mix of cash and rewards points and bring it down to $900 for my trip. And also that includes we're going from SFO to Singapore, spending a few days in Singapore. Then we're going to the Maldives from there and then we're coming back home. So getting a couple of different destinations in there. So check it out. See if it's for you. I personally wouldn't have known about it unless I heard the points guy talking about it. And I was like, ooh, you know, again, like similar thing with 
the example of like the wave subscription and like things have changed, you know, things have changed since I signed up for the Chase Sapphire Reserve card years and years ago. And it used to be the best travel card out there. And now it's just not anymore. There's a better option. And obviously, I mean, I think this goes without saying, but credit cards are only a good deal if you are functioning out of a place where you don't have debt and you are paying off your credit card statements in full each and every month. If you are not able to make those payments in full every month, then you are not getting a good deal. You are getting screwed. So that's, you know, my only caveat there. And tip number 10 is make sure that you have a really solid network and community around you to help you ride out this time. So I have had a lot of guests on the podcast before, and I personally have talked about this, but like your mindset is everything. And for me, what helps me with my mindset is, yes, I do a lot of like personal work and journaling and like self-reflection, but also being surrounded by other women who are killing it, who have an abundant mindset, who are cheering me on, I'm cheering them on. That also really helps with my mindset as well. And so I am really fortunate that I have friends that I can lean on for this and that are in this industry or in similar industries that we can all kind of relate to each other. I think it can be isolating and lonely to be a small business owner and kind of like a solopreneur and doing your own thing. And, you know, your friend works at a big corporation and they just like can't relate. Having somebody that like completely understands the struggle and the fears and the self-doubt and things that you're like working against and being able to lift you up is really helpful. Plus, you're able to share knowledge as well, like what is working for you? How are your revenue streams looking? You guys know I am all about financial transparency. So like sharing things like brand contacts or I was just having this conversation with some friends of mine like, hey, Reward Style has been the go-to affiliate network for fashion bloggers for years, but there's this new one called Shop My Shelf that seems to have better commissions. Like, I'm going to try this one out. That's great. Like, that's super important knowledge to share because that is more money that you can be making by swapping out some links. So, you know, having a group of women that you can lean on, that you can share knowledge with is super important. And just be really conscientious about who you are curating as friends, as colleagues, and surrounding yourself with because you do not want to surround yourself with people who have a lack mentality or a scarcity mindset. I mean, at any point in your life, like that's just not something that I want to surround myself with. But especially if you're thinking about who is going to support you and who do you want to support through a recession, it's got to be women that are abundant as fuck and like really, truly people that can cheer you on and that you can cheer on as well. All right. Those were my 10 tips. That's everything that I am doing to prepare for a recession as a content creator and a small business owner. And I would love to hear from you. Is there something I missed? Do you have other tips, other things that you're doing, you're thinking about as we prepare for this potential ride? And if you got value from this episode, I would love it if you could share it in your story. So take a screenshot and tag me in a story. I'm at WTFab. And again, I would love to hear your thoughts. If you have other 
blogger friends, small business friends, please share this episode with them as well because I want us all to be as financially prepared as possible to ride out whatever the future holds. So with that, just one more reminder to hit subscribe on the podcast if you haven't already and that way you won't miss an episode and you'll have them queued up and ready to go. Thank you so much for listening and I can't wait to chat again soon. Thank you.